Now, last week I shared a little bit about the fear surrounding our current political situation and that we shouldn't let, uh, or we shouldn't look to other things to be our, our saviors during this time. We shouldn't look to other things to, uh, to get us out of our, of our fear. So I've got I've to admit that I have been uh, fearful as well. I am concerned. I'm nervous. I'm concerned for our nation. I'm concerned for the church at large. And my primary concern for the church comes from just an uneasiness about the disintegration of the church. Like I get, I get the impression that in general, the church is just as divided as the culture around us. And, and I'm not suggesting that we all need to unite around a political candidate. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, um, I, I would be concerned if we all shared the same political views in the, in the Hills Church. But my concern is that we might let our political views push us away from relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ simply because they're voting differently than we're voting. Like that, that is my concern for the church. And I saw one a pithy article title, New York Times opinion piece that said, or the title was, In God We Divide. In God We Divide. And I was like, man, that's, if that was ever true, it is true this year. I mean, I think last December, Christianity Today came out with an editorial and, and basically were in, was in support of removing President Trump as the president, uh, just based on their morals and, and a number of things. They kind of outlined why they thought it would be good for the country if, if the president was re- removed. That was right during the time of the impeachment. And, and the backlash that they received, and it wasn't just like a backlash of difference of opinion. It was a backlash of attack, and you've left the faith. And, and this, go, this goes on, on both, both sides. Uh, but it, and it's not the, the disagreement that concerned me. In fact, there was one article from a, a Christian uh, organization in, in response to what Christianity Today came out and said. And the, the title of, of that argue, article was, Christianity Today Impeaches Its Credibility. So basically saying they've lost all, all credibility. And so we just, we have this, these attacks where we're diminishing the other person because of their, their political stance. And, and I've heard plenty of Christians recently saying things like, I don't know how you can be a Christian, and vote for, just fill in the blank. I hear it from both sides. I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for President Trump. I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for Biden. And, and we have to be real, real careful when we make those kind of statements. Because if you're saying uh, you can't be a Christian and vote for so-and-so, you are then adding to the gospel. You're adding things to the gospel that is not, not in, in Scripture. So I, I am concerned. And we've been studying Philippians and it's a letter written uh, in, the, in the early church from the Apostle Paul. And he wrote it to one of the better churches in the New Testament. And I kind of hesitate to use that term better as, as if they were better than other churches. But they, they did seem to have a level of spiritual maturity, of, of spiritual depth that, uh, that the other churches maybe didn't have. Because in the, in the letters, they're usually uh, quite a bit of a correction, sometimes a, a stern a stern rebuke, like, hey, stop it. Knock it off. Don't, don't do that. But in the letter to the Philippians, I mean, there, there is some, some teaching and some guidance, but you don't have that same level, that same strong-worded warning 
And, and we've been going through Philippians sentence by sentence. And I think just for a moment before we get back in today, we're going to step back, take, take a, a bigger picture before we jump back on. In fact, we're going to go way back. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to look at the story. We're going to look at our story, the story of the Philippians. And it begins with God creating a good world and, and putting man and woman in the garden, made in his image, and put there to help him rule. But the, our first parents decided to go their own way. They decided to rebel against God, and, and we have been rebelling ever since. And because of that rebellion, we, we bring a, a distance between ourselves and God. We bring destruction into the world. We bring injustice into the world. Uh, and the end result is death. But God is gracious. He was gracious then. He's gracious now. And he, he made a promise to this guy named Abraham. And Abraham was just, there was nothing really special about Abraham. But God came to him, and you can read about this in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, uh, the first couple of verses there, when God promises to bless Abraham, and through Abraham, through his descendants, to be a blessing to the nations. Um, and Abraham's not given many of the details, but something was going to happen in Abraham's family that was going to result in blessing the entire world. I mean, that is quite, quite the promise. And then, then the Bible follows this grand narrative that, that weaves all the way through Scripture of God using the family of Israel to bring a blessing to the nations through a promised descendant. And you fast forward several thousand years, and Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus claims that he is the fulfillment of that promise, that through Jesus, the nations would be blessed. And, and that is the claim of the New Testament. That is the claim of the early church, that Jesus, through his life, his death, his resurrection, he is fulfilling that promise to Abraham thousands of years ago. And so the followers of Jesus then saw themselves as, as taking that promise out to the, to the Gentiles, to, to those who were not Jews, and they were pronouncing God's kingdom had come in Jesus. You see this in, in Romans 16. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with the gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden long ago. That's that, that promise. We weren't sure what God was doing, but now we know it's Jesus. Now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the internal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes to faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And so for the early church, putting your faith in Jesus was more than just a simple mental assent. It was giving your allegiance to King Jesus. And, and the Philippians, this letter that we're studying, was writ, written in the context of this expanding Jesus movement. And it was expanding across ethnic and cultural lines. Uh, the apostles, they, they saw their mission as that fulfillment of that promise to draw all the nations in. And, and so the letters, a lot of the, the correction that is going on in the letters is, is to help them get over these cultural barriers that they have when they've come together. And so this promise was for all people. And through Jesus, it's finding its way into the Roman Empire, into the Roman culture, and it's, it's upsetting the status quo. Because what's happening in these Jesus communities is that everyone, regardless of status, is being treated as equal. They are, they are being accepted. They are being loved. And 
That wasn't the Roman way. That wasn't the, the Roman culture. The, those of high position, they didn't associate with those of, of low position. But in this, these new Jesus communities that are forming, that's exactly what, what's happening. So you have all these different people groups and cultures and ethnic groups. They're putting their faith in Jesus. Those who were once enemies, like they, they, they were such enemies that it looks like our, it would make the division in our country look like a Mary Poppins song. Like real enemies were, were coming together in Christ and, and forming this new family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and while it was often beautiful, it also led to tensions in these communities. And they were trying to figure out what it meant to follow God together, what it meant for them to be the people of God. And, and the, the answer was, like, let's just throw it all out. That's, I'm going to go my way over here. You're going to go your way over here and we'll follow Jesus separately. That wasn't the solution. That wasn't what they did. Uh, and instead, there were these letters that were written. There was correction from, from the apostles, from Paul. Like, hey, you need to live a life worthy. Now, one, one New Testament uh, writer and scholar puts it this way. He said, understanding how Philippians and the other letters fit in uh, fit in has immense potential for us because this isn't just about theology and ethics. This is about a cosmic story. It's about getting people to elevate their allegiance to Jesus over their socioeconomic, national, ethnic, and gender boundary lines. I mean, that, that's good. We're part of this cosmic story. Um, so the, the question is, how can we elevate our allegiance to Jesus above every other dividing line in our culture? Everything that separates us, how can we elevate our allegiance to Jesus above all of those things? And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves uh, today. And that brings us back to Philippians. In the first chapter, when Paul writes this letter, he, he, he reminds the people how much he loves them and he, sh he shares what's happening in, in his life kind of updates them. And now at the end of chapter one, he's getting down to, to brass tacks, so to speak. I don't know what brass tacks is. I'm sure if we Google it, we can find out where we got that saying, but whatever it was, they're getting down to brass tacks right now. Uh, and and it, what he, Paul speaks of is a consistency, unity, humility. And at every point along the way, he points them back to Jesus. And we're going to get to uh, one of my favorite passages in Scripture in the coming weeks here in Philippians chapter 2, but we're not there quite yet. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. says, Whatever happens in the 2020 election, whatever happens uh, with your parents, whatever happens at your work, whatever happens in your strained relationship, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign for them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I mean, it's that something Paul, he, he speaks of suffering as if it's a good thing. Like, like they won 
<laughs> a prize. Like you, you have been chosen to suffer on, on behalf. And it's not like he's saying, oh boy, I get to suffer. Like th- that wasn't his, his attitude. But his attitude is in suffering is always Christ-centered. Suffering on behalf of Christ. It's, it's discipleship-based. And, and for Paul, he knows that the servants are to be like the master. The servants are to be like the master. A crucified Lord produces disciples who themselves take up their cross to follow him. And, and some people call it living a cruciform life, a life shaped by the cross, a, a life um, that where we, we live into the cross and, and the death of Christ, a life informed by the cross. And, and just as Jesus loved his enemies to death, we are called to do the same. We pick up in chapter two, therefore. So just briefly, that, that's an unfortunate break between chapter one, chapter two. Remember, this was originally a letter. There was no verses. There weren't, there weren't breaks in, in the chapters. So when it says, therefore, it's speaking, because of everything I've just said, therefore, uh, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by what? How was, how were they to make Paul's joy complete? Make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So he's writing all you different people groups, whether high status, low status, inside or outside, be of one mind. In verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. So nothing can frustrate the advance of the gospel, whether in our individual lives or as a Christian community, more than internal unrest within the Christian community. Like that, I mean, the gospel is all about reconciliation. And an unreconciled people do not advertise it well. Let me, let me say that one again. Is that the gospel is all about reconciliation and unreconciled people do not advertise it well. So Paul, Paul and these Christians, they have forged a strong bond. They have a, a common faith, they, they have a common struggle. And Paul is concerned for his friends uh, because they are in double jeopardy. There is some, some posturing going on among them. Uh, some of them are putting themselves forward and, and, it's, and it's verging on open conflict. And there's also outside forces that are, that are working uh, against the Philippian church. And so Paul is concerned and he, he multiple times he speaks to them about, uh, about their unity in these verses. Verse 27 says, stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one. Verse 30, we have struggled together. Chapter two, verse one, united with Christ. Verse two, be like-minded, have the same love, be one in spirit and one of mind. My concern and my fear is that the church is on verge of fracturing along political lines. Like that, that is one of my, my greatest concerns is that we're on the verge of fracturing along political lines more and more common. People are choosing their political view first and then determining their involvement or increasingly their non-involvement 
in the church because of politics. And so we're, we're, what's happening is that Christians are self-selecting into churches or maybe just out of churches altogether based on politics. And one study across a variety of churches found that very few people attend church services with Christians who hold different political views than they do. And like, what, what is the remedy? Like, how do we, how do we overcome this, this divide? And just briefly want to share as we, we finish up here, because I think there, there are several, there are several remedies, but from, from these verses, uh, the first thing that I see is that we need to recall our shared experience of God's grace. We need to remember our shared experience of God's grace. In verse 1, Paul is calling them to remember how they're united in Christ. And, and being united with Christ, we, we need to remember that we are united with one another. Like if, if I'm united with Christ and, and you're united with Christ, then by default we are united with one another. We, we drink from the same fountain. And we, we can't just decide that, that we don't like some, some kinds of Christians. or um, I mean, you can't say, I'm not with them. But, but, let, but let's be real. Right? There are some Christians who uh, I do not like being associated with. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating at times. I, I've got to pray for them. I've, I've got to pray for me because we have a shared experience of God's grace. I mean, they don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's grace. And, and so I have to look at my own heart and say, God, forgive me for feeling that way about other brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, please help them not to make the news. Right? I feel like that's also a, a decent a decent prayer. Um, but Paul reminds them of their common sharing in the Spirit. And, and when Paul talks about the sharing in the Spirit, it reminds me of Acts chapter 2, when the, the Spirit of God is poured out. And then it lists this table of nations of people who, who heard this, this, something happening and they thought the disciples were drunk and they were speaking in tongues and these languages, they heard them in their own language. All, all these different uh, nations represented there. Because when we experience the, the power of God, the Holy Spirit together, and then throughout the, the rest of the book of Acts, the, the barrier of breaking down uh, the different ethnic lines was this experience, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when groups were baptized in the Spirit, it was an invitation into the family of God. And, and the disciples, I mean, many of them were against it. Like, no, 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 these Gentiles, mm-mm. But when they, had, when they saw that they experienced the Holy Spirit, they were like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess they're, they're with us. Uh, Najee just got back from a, a retreat for worship pastors. And before he went, we were chatting about it. And, and we were chatting about, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a large conference. It was like 15 to 20 or so people. And we were chatting. And the concern was that Najee, was going to be the only black worship pastor there. And when you're talking about music styles and, and worship, like there are some differences between what we're trying to do here at the Hills and maybe what a, some other churches might be doing. And so we were, we were talking about that. And, uh, but Najee decided to go anyway. And when he got there, guess what happened? 
he was the only black guy there. <laughs> like we were concerned, and and you know, I was at just we were just chatting today about about how that was, and yeah. And I want to clear up that the concern wasn't the fact that I would just be the only black person. Uh, the concern was I would be only black person there, which would reflect uh, right. the type of worship that we would be talking about. You know, uh, we we want we are a multiracial, multicultural, and multiethnic church. So I was like, hey, I don't want to go there, <laughs> right. and we're just going to do sure. CCM all the time. You know, and talking about CCM. So yeah. that that's right. not like I don't want to oh, be the only black guy there. No, it's, sure. it was parallel to, yep. you know, the cultures that we would be, and then, you know, talking about. And discussing but it was more of a like let's yeah. encounter Jesus together retreat over over style and method yeah. and so like it was awesome so then i mean like once you started worshiping absolutely what, i mean it 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 was amazing the the focus of the retreat was about ministering to god ministering to each other and ministering to the church and not just the congregations that we're serving in but right. the you know the large church the church of the world and how um, and there was a large portion where we discussed uh, being unified um, we talked about unity um, and so as as I got there you know I really wasn't even paying attention to being the only black person there because sure. it wasn't it, yeah. it wasn't yeah, yeah. about the nuances of of worship it was about just getting back to the brass tacks, getting back to the basics of why it is we do what we do and just ministering to God's people and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and uh, yeah. do the work that, you know, he was supposed to do. So That's yeah, awesome. It was, and it was life-changing. It was amazing. It was great. <laughs> Twelve One Ministries. Uh, look that up. Uh, Clayton Brooks. I mean, and There great. is something that it happens was, was when awesome. we experience awesome. God together. There, there was a, a unity that comes. There is a breaking down of hostilities. Uh, when we experience God's grace, God's spirit, when God visits us, and, and when you th think about those other Christians, let me encourage you, let me remind you that even though they're voting for the, for the other candidates, they have experienced the same grace. They have experienced the same love of God, the same spirit. And so we need to recall our shared experience of God's grace as a, as a way forward into being one-minded together. And the second remedy, and even more importantly, I'm going to have to share it next week because we are, we are out of time. And uh, sometimes we, we cut off in the, in the middle of teaching. Uh, I'm sure it won't, won't be the last. But... Can I, can I just ask a favor of you this week? Is that will you commit to reading the end of Philippians chapter one and then reading the first part of chapter two and just read it several times uh, in one, one setting. It just takes about a minute or two and underline words that stand out to you, highlight words that stand out to you, maybe journal for a minute what God might be saying to you about those, those verses. And I just as we conclude, I want you to know that God has invited us into his story and that we are, we are part of something that, that it didn't just happen last week, last month, 100 years ago. But God, when he gave that promise to Abraham thousands of years ago, he had you in mind. He had the church 
in mind. And he invites you. And if you are not part of the family of God, the invitation is still for you to come, to be part of the family of God. And if if you would like uh, to begin following Jesus or to renew your your trust in Jesus, we'd love to walk uh, this journey with you. There's a place in the comments where you can mark that. But let 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 me pray for us before we conclude. Jesus, we pray for your church as you prayed. We pray that we would be one, God, that we would, we would see the image of God in one another. We would experience the grace of God together. We would extend that same grace that you have extended to us. God, and I pray that th- these coming weeks leading up and after the, the election, that you would draw us together. Even as we have severe disagreements over how we're going to vote, God, would you draw us together? May we be a city on a hill. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.